are going to bring Fried Damper, Jeff. And this is uh, the second time uh, uh, Fried Damper is involved. Actually, the third time. I think we did two or three webinars with them. And a brilliant company. So we're coming back to the U.S., and we're going to be talking with Aaron Neman, who is a, a, a technical engineer, I believe, at Freedemper. And Aaron is going to take us uh, through the presentation today. Aaron, thank you for being back with us. Hello, Frenzy. Thank you for having me back. Um, and I'm you know, excited to give this presentation. Uh, I don't have my normal wingman, Brian LeBaron, with me, uh, but uh, you know, we've got, got a good, uh, you know, Got a good thing going here, so we'll uh, get you guys some good information. Well, we really appreciate that. And at the same time, um, it's good to be back with you guys and have an opportunity to see what's uh, what's been going on in your world. Because again, um, y'all have one of the most impressive products that is so necessary in keeping an engine smooth and, and and running like it's supposed to i mean it's just ever since you guys came on came on the uh motorsport scene you know you've revolutionized a part of of the engine that has to be done and done right so what do you got for us this time so this time i'm going to talk about uh five design attributes for race engine developers so this is kind of above and beyond what we talked about last time about the damper and how it works um, okay so um, like last time, you know, we talked about how the damper has a small, you know, an inertia ring inside of it that does most of the work. And this is a free floating balance ring that um, reduces the vibration. So for race development engines, uh, one of the things about those is we have a tighter envelope size. So the biggest thing with that, you know, first off is you, you have a certain amount of space available. And, uh, you know, how, you know, we were talking about in the previous presentation, you know, they're talking about you know, there's a lot of plumbing and stuff like that going on with race applications. So sometimes that'll get into where you, your crank damper is going to go. So the way we get around that is we work with different, um, you know, we work with different density materials. So this particular one is, uh, you know, it's, it's a high density brass ring. Uh, and we would use that in an application that has to have a smaller damper, but we still get the same amount of inertia required mass out of it. Um, and that's particularly important because, you know, viscous dampers have, require some mass to actually do work. Um, so in a way that uh, for race development engines, uh, we want to make sure to keep mass in mind. And the biggest thing with that, um, you know, I talked about, you know, everyone's pushing to have a lighter application, but we still need some mass for the damper to do its work. So the way that we, uh, we try to improve upon that as uh, we go to uh, a lighter weight outer housing for the, for the inertia ring. So what we've been doing a lot uh, in the last couple of years is really bringing back and really refining our, uh, our aluminum welding process uh, so that we can get uh, more competitive with uh, high performance engines. And uh, one of the biggest things with this, uh, we've been moving forward with, you know, with our aluminum welding. So like this uh, cross section that I have here of an aluminum housing that we did um, for uh, an OEM development engine. Uh, this particular one actually shows some more design attributes that we do for uh, race engines. This has a twin cavity built into one damper. Um, what this does is it, it gives us a higher heat ceiling because it, both cavities are generating a similar amount of heat, but it gives us more surface area 
um, so that way we can get the heat out of the silicone faster. Um, so there's grooves in here so that way the inertia ring is shaped. And then there's also thermal transfer grooves along the top of the, uh, the cover plate. And, uh, so, Aaron, right now, <clears throat> so what, what does uh, weight have in, in, in the fluid damper design? I mean, where does that weight and how does it, how does it work in okay. this application now? So in, in this application, um, like I mentioned before, we need a little bit of weight because the weight is what uh, moves in and out of phase with the crankshaft uh, RPM fluctuations and twist. Mm -hmm. um, that's, that's how we counteract the vibration to keep it from ringing out and resonating. And uh, what, what we do with that, um, that particular weight is what's housed inside of these cavity sections here. So like this, this hollow area, that's got a, a, the ring inside of it for the weight. Mm -hmm. um, and then that weight is shaped based on your outer envelope for your, your applications. And uh, the weight, that's the weight that does all the work in the damper. That's your functional weight. Uh, and that's what you need to have in order for your engine to operate smoothly. Now, the housing weight is what we would call um, uh, kind of like, a, like an ineffective mass. And that's where we can uh, work with the design in order to get creative with materials uh, in order to make, uh, you know, make the damper more efficient and lighter in the housing material itself. So because that's the weight that is, uh, that's a safe weight that's safe to reduce. Um, you know, barring not, you know, as long as you don't compromise structural integrity, um, that's where, that's where it's safe to reduce weight in a damper when you're designing it. But, uh, the ring inside is what's, what's the important weight that you need. Okay. With all that being said, I mean, how much, how much time do y'all spend in, in doing testing with this, with these different designs and different materials? Uh, to finally come up with what you something you consider worthy to put out there because you I mean you know you're what you have right now you can stay with it from now on and, and it's going to do the job but in the effort to improve and, and if you can improve on something it's almost like if it ain't broke don't fix it and here we got something that's almost ain't broke and you're trying to break it by coming up with new technology and how much, how much try, you know, trial and error has gone into where you find your technology at today? So the biggest thing that we've been working on over the, uh, well, coming up on 12 years that I've been with uh, Fluid Amper is that we've been looking at taking the tried and true design that we have, you know, with the silicone oil inside, which is very important with, you know, stabilizing that mass. And then also, you know, going through and refining the technology, um, you know, increasing, you know, working with bearing technology, improving welding efficiency. Um, and we do a lot of our internal testing on that. Um, you know, like we'll actually build a dedicated uh, housing that's, you know, welded together. Uh, and we'll actually, we actually use like a hydraulic pressurization system in order to actually do full structural testing on the housing welds itself in-house and uh, you know, we'll actually push those to failure, which is well beyond any kind of pressure that it sees. And we put that same amount of testing and effort into parts that we do for our OEM line, FiberTech uh, TVD that we put into our fluid amper lines um, because we don't like to test by failures. Uh, 
you know, we, we don't like to pass that type of R&D on to our customers. Because, um, I mean, we know that most of our customers that use our products are pushing the limits of what, you know, the design limits are for an engine. Like, let's say the engine's designed for, you know, three, 400 horsepower. Well, they might be pushing closer to 1,000 horsepower. So you know, we want to make sure that our customers aren't doing the R&D for us. We want we, we make sure everything is uh, structurally tested and also simulated uh, before the actually cutting parts in-house. And then we also functional test the parts um, you know, before we even release a part number to our catalog, we'll go through and install uh, parts on an engine. And then we have high resolution tachometers that we can actually measure RPM fluctuation. Uh, we, you know, we can take, you know, 1,024 1, pulses per revolution with some of our encoders and get some really good resolution data so we can get down to, uh, you know, 0. 0.0 one degrees you know, to look at how everything is moving and actually measure the twist from the flywheel to the free end of the crankshaft. Um, and we also monitor our temperature on the parts too to make sure that uh, everything is, uh, you know, we're, we're not overheating the parts because temperature is also very important. Um, and viscous damp, but viscous dampers handle temperature a lot better than a rubber bonded part just because they have, um, you know, the ability to uh, dissipate heat generated throughout the whole housing instead of just through a rubber element. So, you know, well, you, you, you bring up something, you bring up something that at this point, I hate to interrupt you, but I'm gonna make sure I point this out, make sure what I read was correct. You, you mentioned the temperature and what your product can handle. Is it true that, you know, you guys are good down to minus 40 degrees and up to 300 degrees Fahrenheit and, and seem like there's not a problem with the product and, and those kind of, Temperature swings. Yes. Uh, so one of the things that uh, you know we do, uh, you know, we use the same fluid in our OEM products as we use in our uh, fluid amper performance racing products, and those are temp typical temperature requirements for military applications for automotive mm -hmm. OEMs. And uh, typically speaking, you know, a lot of motorsports doesn't necessarily take place at negative 40, but because we use the same quality quality uh, fluids and materials in our aftermarket parts as we do in our OEM approved parts, they're proof for that. So like, uh, you know, negative 40 applications, while you may not see that in motorsports unless you're getting into, you know, like Arctic racing or something like that, even then the engine's running. But, uh, you know, the core point of the fluid is, is below that. So it's still a fluid, it doesn't freeze up. And then 300 degrees is uh, an upper level for the outside of the damper. Beyond that, we have some solutions we can work with, uh, whether that's you know making the part an internal engine component and having an active uh, oil, oil cooling, which is something that we do. Um, we worked with uh, an OEM from the UK that does a lot of uh, specialty engine building for performance applications. Um, and, uh, you know, we actually developed a damper that has a fully jacketed cooling system that runs inside of the engine. So you actually shoot uh, cooled engine oil into the back of the damper and it flows throughout an outer shell and then exits uh, from the damper and it actually does a full oil bath cooling system. So th th that's a, something that, uh, you know, was a new technology that's applied to the tried and true method uh, in order to keep up with the applications as performance increases. Now that to me is pretty uh, incredible because I never would have dreamed of putting those, putting it in internally 
to you know maintain the temperature like that. And I, I guarantee. And the other question I got for for you is, you talk about some of the ranges um, from you know four or five hundred horsepower up to a thousand horsepower. With some of the days different series, I mean, especially uh, in, the, in the diesel ranks today, that they're coming up with sometimes 3,000 or 3,200 uh, horsepower. How does, how does your product handle that kind of, of a, a jump as far as the numbers are concerned? So especially in the, uh, the performance diesel applications, you know, we've worked with a mm -hmm. lot of builders that build the inline six Cummins engines. Um, and if you're familiar with those engines, they do, you know, they push a whole lot of power through that uh, 45 millimeter bolt circle with four bolt pattern that holds it on. Um, and the damper itself is, you know, up to the task for that. Um, once you get to those kind of power levels that we're talking about, and we work with teams, you know, that build large engines, you know, like uh, Fire Pump Diesel and TJ Precision with yep. their building engines. Um, and we've actually had them in our booth last year at PRI. Um, and we've worked with them very successfully. Uh, and what, what we're able to do, um, the damper itself performs great for that, for those applications. And we've verified those by measuring them. Um, but we actually improved the connection between the damper and the crankshaft without making a, a custom crankshaft necessary. Um, we do that by uh, coming up with uh, torque plates, uh, specialty fasteners that we work, we partner with ARP to, to bring to market and then also uh, friction shims that go in between the damper and the nose of the crankshaft. So that we get a little bit more uh, clamping force effectiveness uh, because the, the damper uh, basically grips the end of the crankshaft better. Uh, so mm -hmm. the, the short of uh, you know having to have somebody come up with a special crankshaft configuration, we're able to increase the efficiency of the damper by increasing the efficiency of the connection between the damper and the crankshaft. Hey, real quick, we got a question here from Tim, and, and I think it's one that we have been asked one time in the past, but what advantages does fluid dampener have over elastomer-based dampeners, and what disadvantages does it have over the same, over those in automotive racing application? Um, I would, I'd like to hear your answer, and i got my own opinion. <laughs> okay, so... It's kind of it's kind of interesting because uh, you know for a racing application, we actually have to look a little bit more into performance marine worlds. Uh, if you're familiar with uh, performance marine applications, you're either at idle or you're at full throttle, and you could sit on full throttle right. for hours and hours. Um, and we've done we've done damp uh, viscous damper retrofits for every generation of small block GM. Um, we've done some for other applications because. Uh, when you're, when you're getting, pushing peak power, that's typically where you're pushing your, your highest uh, frequency vibration, which generates the most amount of heat. Um, and, and in a rubber damper, one of the disadvantages with those is as you push more heat through the rubber, the rubber properties change. So it'll start to soften um, and then and it'll pick up like a heat aging. Well, the rubber dampers work by taking a large peak. And they, they take that peak and they knock the center of it down and turn it into two smaller peaks. Uh, and they're very effective for that, which is one advantage you have because they're very effective right where they're tuned. Um, but as they heat up, those two peaks actually drift around as the rubber properties change. 
So what you may have, uh, let's say you've got 4,500 RPM is where the damper is most effective when it's brand new, uh, when it's running at, let's say 120 degrees Fahrenheit. Well, as you start to heat that up closer to 200 degrees, those peaks tend to shift down. So your secondary peak, which was say at 5,500 RPM, that peak will start to drift closer to 4,500. And then you're getting more, more twist on your crankshaft because the, the damper effectiveness window is shifting on you. So with the viscous damper, because it doesn't create a sharp peak, uh, a sharp split peak like that, uh, it actually just takes the peak and it softens it and brings the peak down uh, similar to more like a bell curve shape um, because it works as a pure damper. That peak doesn't shift around with heat because it doesn't rely on the resonance to split the peak. So that peak might go up and down a little bit with temperature, but it never shifts around. So you can actually take your peak and put it into an RPM that's beyond where you're going to race at or even below. So you can actually place the peak in between shift points. So you have an idea of where that's going to be and then it never moves throughout the race. So if you have like a, you know, a critical RPM, you can shift through that or put it beyond something that you're going to reach while you're racing and you never have to worry about it drifting in. And then- I think, I think it's a heck of a way to explain it because again, the simpler thing is it, with your product, correct me if I'm wrong, the way it is made, you never have to worry about that thing, as you say, that, that peak carrying that harmonic balance off. I mean, it, it, I've seen it happen. You know, with anything else besides what fluid dampener offers, you're, you're, I think you're playing almost with hand grenade. I mean, I think you're, you're asking for something to create a problem somewhere down the road. And, and here may be a good time to kind of like interject this. And I believe you guys say it. You put a fluid dampener on the engine. It's good for the life of the engine. So, you know, if you're running, you know, 100,000 miles or, you know, if you run it and tear it down or whatever, I've been, I have been told by engine builders, they're not afraid to take a used fluid dampener balancer and put it on another engine brand new because they know that it's going to be okay. Am, am I wrong with that? Uh, no, you're, you're correct on that. The biggest thing that we tell our customers, as long as the damper still maintains the press fit on the crankshaft for press fit models, mm -hmm. or, you know, the proper centering for ones that bolt on with flange mount, um, as long as your connection is maintained and you still have a good press fit, uh, and you don't have any debts in the damper or, you know, it doesn't go through a fire or something like that. As long as there's no damage to the part, it's going to last, last the life of the engine. Um, we've had original products sent in uh, from 1985 when fluid damper was first released. Um, we have a, a test machine where we'll put that damper on the end of a long torsion bar and we'll, we wind it up 12 degrees and then we release it and we measure the, you know, the signal decay. And uh, we compare that to brand new, you know, to a brand new part. We've tested original product from 1985 and it works just as good as a new product off the shelf. Well, it's like we said earlier, you know, we're, you're, you're taking a product and you're trying to improve upon it, but it's almost perfected the day it was built. And, and, and I admire that about you. You know, like I say, you're sitting there on your laurels and, and just spitting them out would not be something that would be bad. 
but you know, you're trying to make it better. You're trying to look if there's any kind of um, technology today that you can improve upon it. And I, my hat's off to you, but you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, my man. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's really, it's really one of those kind of comforting deals. And I've, I've had several engine builders back in my day say, man, where were these things back in, 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 in this time or that time? Because again, um, when, when y'all figured it out, I mean, y'all nailed it. You nailed it. I appreciate that. No, it's always good to hear you know, positive feedback. I mean, we were at the, uh, the SEMA show out in Vegas uh, last month, and you know, we had a lot of people stop by and just say, you know, we've, yep, we've got your damper. We've been using it for years, and, you know, that, you know, they don't necessarily need to buy another one, which, you know, but for us, you know, having a, being able to provide a, a part that we can stand behind, you know, the sales guys say over and over, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a easy product to sell because, you know, it, it's a durable part. And uh, like I said, they don't need rebuilds. Um, you know, the construction, it's a fully sealed, welded together part. Um, one of the things that we actually did uh, bring to market for one of our endurance racing uh, teams that we work with, um, we actually came, came up with dampers that aren't fully sealed so they can actually be broken down uh, and opened up. So if you have a racing body that has uh, requirements that the damper has to be inspected and they don't allow a sealed unit we actually uh, we actually patented it because it's a, you know it's a non it's a an application that's a, you know like a twist lock type uh, outer seal and uh, mm -hmm. it can be it can be pulled apart and inspected if it's required by the racing body uh, and, but it doesn't require uh, the extra weight of added fasteners uh, and that's something that uh, you know, we worked with uh, one of the endurance teams that developed, but it also, uh, you know, replaced the damper that they were having failures with after about eight hours of racing. Um, they can run the same parts all season. We, we had to practically beg them to send some parts back so we could do some internal analysis just to make sure everything was, uh, you know, everything was happy inside of there. So what you're trying to say there, a satisfied customer was a silent customer, and you really need to take a look at some of your creativity after doing a, what long runs or at least race a racing season. Is that what we're talking about? Yeah, yeah pretty much. What it is is, uh, you know, like I said, you know, like you mentioned, not sitting on our laurels. We want to look at ways to improve. Uh, you know, we want to, you know, we want to go through and also, you know, we don't necessarily, you know, because it's test well, you know, on a test machine or test wall in a dyno setting. We also want to take a look at it after it's got a lot of racing miles on it, just to make sure that there isn't areas that we can improve on, um, you know, as we continue to supply more parts. You know, for, for a part that's been around for a while, you know, there's, um, you know, there, there's always new details or ways to improve things as the part, you know, as technology increases, you know, improves, you know, that's what kind of, um, you know, that's kind of like what racing is all about is taking advantage of, you know, better technology as it becomes available so you can get that edge. Um, and that's one of the things that, you know, we try to, we try to keep up with technology. So internal bearings, making the part more durable, making the part, uh, you know, even just even higher confidence level. Um, and, and we look into it too, because our Vibratech products that run on like over the road truck engines, um, those ones uh, do, uh, because the big industrial inline sixes tend to put out a lot, a lot more vibration, and also in like natural gas engines and stuff like that, you know, for pumping engines, those ones will wear out with time. 
So what we want to do is we're constantly trying to increase the, the, the window on those industrial parts. And then we take that technology and pass it on to our racing products so that way our racing products have cutting edge technology that's proven through industrial workforces. You know, I, I know we've kind of like, um, we've talked about it in a lot of different ways, but do you happen to know of any parts that have come back in there that have, can you tell us like how many miles or how many hours have been put on one of your, you know, one of your balancers uh, just for, for references? Um, typically, um, a lot of times, uh, you know, with, with the racing parts, uh, the miles getting them back is, is kind of difficult to determine, because, you know, with, with the racing parts. Um, I mean, we've got parts back that, uh, I think we, we had some, like I mentioned, that part from 85. Uh, he had it on a, a road race uh, Opal GT that he had built with a small block Chevy. Um, mm -hmm. And he said something along the lines, you know, something along the lines of about 100,000 miles because he, he road raced it a lot. And then he drove it daily a lot. And then he turned it back into a drag race car. And then he was going to, to build a full, uh, you know, full tube frame bracket car. And that's when he sent the damper back to us. Well, as I said a little while ago, good for the life of the engine. And it sounds this case right here, good for the life of the car, which happens to be the engine was in. But that's what I'm talking about, my friend. I mean, you guys have got one of the most righteous products out there. I'm telling you, it's just, it's one of those things you got to have. You got a lot of confidence when you bought one of those on the front of your engine that that's not going to be a problem for you once you do it. So keep up the good work, and I, I love to get an opportunity to talk to you next year, see if you, what you've come up to try to improve on, which I won't be surprised if it doesn't go very far. Well, I appreciate, uh, you know, appreciate the testimonial, and like I said, it's always great uh, working with Trade and, you know, putting on presentations to help, you know, better inform our, you know, our customers and everyone else in the industry. So, uh, you know, we feel that, you know, if people can make an informed decision, then they're going to make, you know, you know, a better decision. Thank you very much, Aaron. You did a great job. And, uh, you know, a Fluid Damper has been uh, uh, with us pretty much since since the first uh, year when we launched. And uh, and thank you for your support. Again, you know, this uh, uh, platform has been designed for the industry, and it's the industry that's making it work. And and it's because of the Fluid Damper out there, you're supporting what we do that we can you know events like that together. So thank you very very much for for your support, Aaron. The concept for EPAR trade is basically, in my opinion, there's a big hole in the internet. So the internet started many years ago, but there's never been an online business community for racers on the World Wide Web. The need for EPAR trade is actually quite obvious. Basically, people in the business of auto racing need a place online to hang out and get their problems solved. It's extremely simple for a buyer or for a supplier to interact on the platform. The first thing you need to do is sign in, which is free. And the second thing is when you see a product that you're interested in, all you need to do is click on request more information. If it's a company, you click on request more information. And then from there, it is forwarded directly to the buyer or to the supplier. You can go to epartrade.com, you 
become part of a community of businesses in racing. And it makes uh, sourcing products much easier than just on the internet or using Google. At ePartrade, there is no e-commerce. It's literally a connection just like at a trade show. So now, any time of the year, a buyer could reach out to a supplier through an email. More than that, it's a place to go to just to keep current every day. So it's a good place to start your work day in your racing business or in your offices of your professional race team. And you know you're current when it comes to new technology, industry news, technical papers, technical videos, all of that and more. We're not looking for a million hits per day. All we want is people who are really the volume buyers of racing products in the racing industry to be part of the little world of EPAR trade. We have racing businesses participating from around the world. So you get suppliers from around the world, you get buyers from around the world. EPAR trade really eliminates having to travel, closing down your shop. Now you have a place to showcase globally your racing product and technology. There are two types of people, racers and everyone else. Racer Magazine is for those who believe that racing is a way of life. Racer embodies the excellence that defines a sport driven by passion, courage, and ingenuity. Get one year of both Racer's print and digital edition for only $39 with instant access to our entire digital issue archive. Subscribe now at info.racer.com.